0: We shared a message. How many of you were here on Wednesday? Awesome, good crowd. Because if you were, you're just going to hear it again. So uh, they asked me yesterday, my wife and kids asked, you know, how are you doing in your message? It's fine. I'm just going to preach Wednesday's message again. It's not really. It's part two. But since you weren't here, you really need to kind of have a, a, a portion of part one. So I'll go through things very fast, and uh, we'll get through part one and part two uh, in just a short amount of time. But the, the verse that I wanted to share with you first before we begin, on, on, on Wednesday night, I, I, the message was, in our own eyes. Or in our own sight. And we're going to get to those scriptures in just a second. The scripture that I wanted to share with you today is Luke chapter 1, verse 37. It's very short, and we can all memorize this for the day. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Say that. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Will be impossible. Now close your eyes. And let's say that. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Let's do it again together. With God, nothing shall be impossible. So you already memorized scripture today, so we've already got that off the list. You can check that. Don't forget that scripture. I think many times as we go forward, we, we, we get to looking at all the stuff that's around us. And on Wednesday night, we shared a message that, that, that uh, God put in my heart about in our own sight. And it was really the message was, was God is bigger than your mountain. And today, that's kind of part two to what we're doing. God is bigger than your mountain, but God is up to something. And and as you go forward in faith, you begin to realize that it doesn't always look like it, and it doesn't always seem like things are happening behind the scenes back there somewhere, but I am telling you, God is working on your behalf. His word says so. He's not a man that he should lie, and and as, as he has promised you, as he puts his word into your life and plants it in your heart, let me tell you what, just stay strong, stay faithful to what God's asked you to do, and you are going to see him. You are going to see him great in your life, because I know God is up to something. How you view God is more important than how you view your problem. How you view God is more important than how you view your mate, your kids, your your situations and circumstances, your finances, your health. How you view God is important. In that message that the spies brought back in Numbers, it's in chapter 13. And the, the stories, and I'll just paraphrase it, we don't have really time to go back and read verses 26 through 33, but you can do that. Those are the scriptures. It's, it's chapter 13, verses uh, 26 through 33. And in that passage, the spies got, as they came back and began to gave, give the report, other than Joshua and Caleb, that they, they started with a good report. Yes, it is the land that's flowing with milk and honey. And, you know, many times as, as we begin to, to stand out in faith, we start to say the right things. We start to believe that God is, is in the situation, that he is moving on our behalf. But then as they kind of began to talk and began to walk through it, their eyes began to focus and shift, not on the land of milk and honey and what God said, but on what was in the land of milk and honey that was contrary to what God said. And they went through and they said, you know what, this is a great place, and boy, the the fruit is great, and God is right, it is flowing with milk and honey. Then they said, yeah, but the people there are big. Yeah, but there's a lot of problems there. Yeah, but we're going to run into some real situations and circumstances. Yeah, I don't know if anything's really going to happen. And then over just a period of a short few minutes, they came to the last verse in verse 33 and said, you know what, we can't even, we can't go up, we can't do it, we're like grasshoppers in our own sight. And what we don't want to do is begin to look at our mountain and not focus on our God. Because if you focus on your mountain, your mountain will become bigger and bigger and bigger. And it will dwarf the way that you live your life. It will dwarf the way that you think about God. It will dwarf the way that you see God in your life because you're focused on the mountain. I'm not saying that God's not big because he is big and he is bigger than your mountain, but it's more important for you to focus on how big and how good God is than how big and how hard your problem might be. It's important. 2 Corinthians chapter four, and I've been through this verse a few times and it's, it's, it's chapter four, verses 17 and 18. And I read it out of the Message Bible. And the last part of that, It says in the beginning that there's far more here than, and the last part says there's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. Before you ask God to do the impossible in your life, you must first see the invisible. That's a Stephen Furtick thing out of his book that we talked about a few months ago. And how is it that it's the things that I see now with my natural eyes, they're temporary, but the things I don't see, it doesn't say with your natural eyes, but put that in there. The things I don't see with my natural eyes, but see by the eyes of faith, are eternal. You have to first see the invisible before God begins to do the impossible. You have to get on his page. I believe that, that Aubrey, as you go, you begin to get on God's page because you begin to see the invisible things that he has for you. You begin to put your eyes and your focus on him and what he told you, the vision that he has for your life, the things that he told you about your health, the things that he says about your finances, the things that he says about your children, the things that he says about those five people on your list that we pray for every day. You begin to see how big he is and not how disastrous those people's lives are on that paper because they aren't always going to be the way they are on this paper they will change and you get to be a part of that change by interceding by praying by planting seed and by seeing god bigger than what they have in their life because god is bigger the problem is i said on wednesday night is we're way too smart for our own good we overthink everything See the spies They knew what God had said and they knew what God had promised. God had told them, this is your land, I'm giving it to you. They knew the truth, just like you know the truth and just like I know the truth. And sometimes we as mature believers, I think, need to hold ourselves to a little bit higher accountability maybe than those who are just coming to Christ because we know the truth, yet we have a tendency to overthink and overanalyze stuff. We know that we can't do it. And so through that carnal reasoning that separates us from god romans chapter 8 through that carnal reasoning we end up in a place we end up in a spot where we realize and we know that it's not physically possible it's not naturally possible for these things to happen what that is is you're focusing on your mountain and not focusing on your god is your god bigger than your mountain yes then focus on him Joel Osteen just continued to preach the message of, I am telling you, you can have a great life if you will just change the way you think, change the way you perceive, not just yourself and your situations, but change the way you perceive God. He loves you and he cares for you. You are very special in his eyes, and he wants to pour out everything that his word says. Proverbs chapter 3, as we go through this pretty quickly. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That's verse 6. Verse 7 actually goes on and says, do not be wise in your own eyes. It says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Now, Now, we're going to show something too and she's going to get Ephesians chapter 1 ready. I didn't say this on Wednesday night. But get this, we're not necessarily wise in our own eyes, but it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we have the mind of Christ. But that mind of Christ right there, where we're going through 1 Corinthians in chapter 2, it's talking about the spiritual wisdom of God being poured out in your life. And that your spirit man has to be alert and awake. That your spirit man, the real you on the inside, is taking in the word that God has. That manna from heaven. And you're decoding it and deciphering what he's speaking and sharing and leading and guiding you to do. Then you have the mind of Christ. You're operating on all of his path. It's it's not that I am I am outthinking everybody around me, but I have I have an ability on the inside of me to be led by the Holy Spirit, and that gives me a boost in my life. You are different than the people who are in this world. You have an advantage. It's okay to have an advantage. See, you, you have the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of you, and you have the mind of Christ. But it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Many times I think I'm pretty smart, don't you? I mean, I, you know, I guess me, than you. I, I turned it back on you real quick. Galatians 2.20 says, it's not my life that I live. It's Christ's. See, don't overthink yourself. Realize and understand that the life you live today is Christ's. You gave yours to him. You gave it to him. Don't take it back he's transforming you romans 12 2 by the renewing of your mind to the word don't you unprogram yourself as you begin to focus on your mountain and not on your god you are trying to take back your life you're trying to take back control you're trying to unprogram yourself from what god has been doing the work in you since you were saved programming you to become this in this world the likeness of christ do we talk about meditating the word and, and transforming our life and all those things, like it says in Romans 12? Why is that? So that you could be reprogrammed. We have a great desire in this church to have a place where we can take some of these single moms who have kids and put them in this, put them in a place, put them up in a, in, a, in, a, in a in a in a in an apartment, take care of their kids, take care of them, give them a job, begin to reprogram them. The system isn't bad in itself in the way that it was set up to help people who needed help but when your whole world you get brainwashed that the government is your way and that that system is the only hope for you you need a moment where somebody gets you aside and says this is the word of God and this is what it says and you need to be reprogrammed so take some time put them in a place and take care of every need that they have not looking to be paid back, not looking for anything, but to say, you know what? I know God has something for you, and you're going to find it. Get them in VBI, pump them full of the word, get them a job, begin to have them pay bills, begin to save money, talk about budgets, Talking about all those kind of things, taking care of your house, that a man's not your solution, that God is your solution. He's your salvation, and he's your solution. It's reprogramming somebody, not just giving them some money and sending them on their way, because if you don't reprogram your life, the enemy will continue to run ramshot over you. Well, I don't know where this is coming from. good all right rock on let's keep going i don't even know where we are but it doesn't really matter does it but paul said in ephesians we're never going to get to the really good stuff we have to wait till i come back from tulsa ephesians in chapter one this was really exciting to me when i read this you know god's big you know you can do all things through what christ who strengthens you and it says in John, actually, that you can do nothing without him. See, not only can you do all things through him. I think a lot of people say, you know what? I don't want to do all things. I just want to do some things. So I'll leave God out of pieces, parts, and places in my life, and I'll just do some of the things in my own strength. uh uh-uh. It says in John chapter 15, 5, you can do nothing without him. So don't you kid yourself and think that, you know what? I, I know it says I can do all things through Christ, but what if I do like 80% of the stuff with Christ? I'll just do on my own. You're actually doing zero. You're a new creature in Christ. You're righteous because of Christ. Your needs are met through his riches. See, we're nothing without him. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. As we talk about how big is your problem or how big is your God, which one do you want to focus on? My big God. Paul says and he prays. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Not just the fact that you know the truth, wisdom, but that you have revelation, what to do with the truth. See, it's a two-part piece there. And it's not so that you can be boasted. It's not so that you can be big. It's not so that you can be somebody or something. It's so that you can see how big God is. Read on. It says, so that you may know him better he's going to enlighten your mind so that you know him better why is that important because you need to know him bigger than your mountain if you're going to trust him you need to know him i trust folks i know folks i don't rarely trust people i don't know neither do you so that's not bad you get to know people, you get a relationship with people, you begin to build trust, you begin to build that, 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 that relationship that says, you know what, you can trust me, I can trust you, you begin to know what they are, what they think, what they do. He says, I'm going to give you wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, not so that you can be cool, but so that in order you may know the hope to which he has called you. It's always about him that you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance for his holy people and his incomparably great power. See, he's not just enlightening you so that you could be something special. He's enlightening you to who he is. That's good. See, people think that their answer is in a situation or a a check or or, or a doctor's visit or your, your, your answer is in something that you could do or something that something wants. No, 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 your answer is in him. And getting to know him and loving him and trusting him and seeing him bigger than where you are today. If I go down, I want to go down called crazy. Right? Trusting God with all I'm worth. Now don't go down. Don't go down foolish. See, foolishness is trying to say you believe something but doing something else. We ended up that message. In Mark, sharing that, that, that Jesus was telling the disciples to have faith in him, and that if you, you speak to the mountain and you cast it in the sea, you don't doubt in your heart. You'll have those things that you asked for and it'll be cast in the sea. God's bigger than your mountain. It says, faith as big as a mustard seed in Matthew can move a mountain. I've heard this and seen this on Facebook and Twitter a lot lately. It's this saying, and I don't know where it originated. I heard Jensen Franklin say it one time a couple years ago, but when you're down to nothing, God is up. To something and it may look like you're down to nothing in your life but i'm telling you what god is up to something just when you think you don't have any idea you don't have the wisdom or the knowledge or the money god is up to something man just when you think it's going to be one direction and one way god is up to something and things happen don't try to figure out what god's going to do I liken following God, now please bear with me and give me a little leeway here, I liken it to playing golf. Both are fun and very enjoyable to do, and we want to spend the rest of our life doing it, right? <laughs> anyway, this is what I was, I was playing with a couple people, uh, uh, Todd and some others, at this, this outing for faith, and, and uh, I, I kept, I kept I say, I've been saying this for a long time, I coached golf for 13 years, 14 years, so I know what I'm talking about as, as a coach. You have to try less, Okay? You have to try less. Golf is not a game where you can try. You have to think less and try less. If you'll think less and try less, you have to put in the work, you have to prepare, you have to practice beforehand, but if you try to get out on the golf course and you try to make the club hit the ball, you won't do well at all. You have to flow. And when I have little kids, and I i mean, I do this with adults, I do this with my guard. I do it with everybody. Golf is real simple. It's just flow. Just brush the grass just brush the grass just brush the grass that's all it is and they're like sure okay and they they start no 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 give me some effort come on you got to brush the grass come on play with me come on get some motion in the ocean I tell them get this thing going on and I've got young teenage girls who have no rhythm I'm like come on I'm a big chubby guy I'm 45 years old I got some rhythm here you can do this I'm trying stop trying What do you mean? I've always thought I was supposed to try. Don't try. The clubs are made to do the things that they need to do. There's a club that's slanted so that it will make the ball go up in the air. But you don't change what you do. You just keep flowing. Just keep flowing. Just brush the grass, baby. Brush the grass. And the ball goes up in the air. But if you try to do it, it won't work. Try less. Think less. In your walk with God think less. Quit trying to reason it out and figure it out. Try less in this. Please live the word in your life. Be obedient to what God said. But stop trying to make it happen. You say, I'm pretty lost, man. My life is pretty gone. No, it's not. Jesus raised three people from the dead in the New Testament. You ain't ain't so dead that he can't get you going in the right direction. I've seen some really bad golfers in my day. These girls come through and have never played the game before in their whole life. And somehow they expect they're going to come out and be Tiger Woods. That doesn't quite happen on my watch. (laughs) But (laughs) we do get better. But you know what? I I take more things away from them than I give them. We start with what you can do and what you can do well, and let's build on that. With God, take what you're doing for him, continue doing that, and then ask him to give you something else. What happens is you begin to see him big in your life begin to see things change we've talked about enlarging your tent we've talked about all of those kind of things but for our message today i just want to let you know that nothing is impossible for god there are a few things that god can't do god can't lie his word says that he's not a man such that he could lie right i mean that's he can't change The word says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He can't fail. Because it says that God is faithful to his word. Actually says that Christ has taken the victory and given it to us. He's a winner. But the fourth thing, and I heard somebody else say this, that God can't do is God can't do nothing. He's up to something. See, Luke one thirty-seven says nothing is impossible for God. He can't. Do nothing unless you do nothing. But if you'll continue to stand, if you'll continue to pray, if you'll continue to believe, if you continue to move forward, if you continue to trust God, if you continue to give, if you continue to scratch, if you continue to stretch, if you continue to walk, if you continue to talk, God's going to do something in your life. It may not be what you thought it was going to be. It may come from a different direction than you thought it was going to come, but you don't care anymore because all you're doing is praying. All you're doing is believing. All you're doing is living the Word. All you're doing is saying, God, stretch me. God, grow me. God, show me. God, take me. God, move me. And as you do those things, He'll come through. God can't do nothing, He's always up to something. But what I found is I have to stop thinking and I have to stop trying. Instead, I trust him. I trust God. You know, Elijah, and you may think, I don't think there's anything going on in my life. There's just a couple little things here and there. Ah, there's big things. Elijah had a big cloud. Actually, it was a small cloud because it was as big as a man's hand, but he had to pray how many times? Seven times. Actually, if you go back and read that, and you can do this, you can go home and read this in Exodus. I thought this was really interesting. I think it's in Chapter 18. Where he's fighting Ahab and all these people about whose God is the bigger God. And, 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 and he went up, it says he went up on the mountain and he put his head between his knees and he began to pray. But what he told everybody else to do, he told Ahab and everybody else, go eat and drink. Go have a good time, go party, do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to go pray. Sometimes you have to pray when you want to go eat and drink. Sometimes you've got to you trust God when everybody else has given up. Sometimes you've got to go forward in faith. Do some things that nobody else is doing. And then as he began to do that, he didn't just pray, he expected God to move. Well, how do you know? Because each time he prayed, he put his head up and he told his servant, now go look toward the hill, go look toward the mountain, go look toward the sea, find out what's out there. And he came back, nothing's there. And so he prayed more. And then he said, go do it again. And then he came back and then he said, go do it again, seven times. And don't, don't. Don't despise those small beginnings because that cloud that's as big as a man's hand that's that small in the sky brought a torrential rain so much so that when he saw the cloud, he told everybody to run for the hills because you're going to be swamped. There's going to be so much water. But sometimes you've got to keep praying. Get your expectancy up there. Sometimes you've got to believe when nobody else will believe. Is your God bigger than your problem? Yes. Carrie Krekler was here last week and I wanted to read this testimony. She was back here in the back on third service, and Pastor Pam had a word for her on, on Sunday morning, third service last week. Carrie's had she had an operation, some 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 things that had gone down, and it was it was it was what we would call a, a normal, everyday kind of procedure. You go in, you get it done, you go home, it's not that big a deal. But there were some complications. And, and through those complications, she ended up in Indianapolis. She ended up in the hospital for over a week, I think. She ended up with a, with a trach where she had to cover it. She could only breathe through that. She couldn't talk. Her vocal cords were paralyzed. This is a young lady who has a young son and a husband, and life is going one direction. And it was, it was faith-shaking. But she began to, she began to just, just, just get a hold of, of, of God. Sometimes you just got to get a hold of God. Sometimes you got to break through the junk and just get a hold of his garment and just hold on to him. Some of those songs that we sing, Your Presence is Heaven to Me, and some of those other ones that we've been singing, I mean, you, sometimes you just got to get a hold of him, because what he's going to do, he's going to start reminding you, like it said in Ephesians, See, he's going to start reminding you of how big he is and how good he is and how much you love him and how much he loves you and how much he cares for you and how, you know what, even though it doesn't look like it, he's behind the scenes and he's doing something. That this may seem like an insurmountable mountain, but it's not an insurmountable mountain. See, it may seem like you can't do it, but you know what? That's exactly right. You can't. Stop trying. Trust God. Because if you'll do that, I'm telling you, he'll he'll come through. Pastor Pam had that word for her on Sunday. You know, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as as we were talking about the mind of Christ, before that it says, no man knows what you're thinking. See, no man knows what's going on in your spirit except the spirit of God. There's a two-way communication there. But man, I don't know what's in your head. You may be thinking about Twinkies today. I I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) But whatever, man, I mean, nobody knows that. See, nobody knows what's going on in her head, but who? God. But it says that God gives the gifts of the Spirit. And in that moment, on third service last week, Pastor Pam had a word for her, and it was from the Spirit. And he was speaking encouragement to this lady that don't you worry about it. I don't even remember the word and know all the words, but don't you worry about it. I'm God, and I'm bigger than this. She wrote back this week, last Sunday, Pastor Pam, end of the third service with everyone praying over my vocal cords for healing. She said, I had been doubting that God would ever heal me and worried that the trach would be permanent. I hadn't told anyone that except my husband, but God gave Pastor Pam that word and she prayed about that too. God knows, man. She said, I drove home praying. God, when will, you, when will you heal me? When will this miracle occur? And as I looked in the in the sky, two clouds be combined into the number three. And she said, I asked if that was for me. And God said, In three days. I'm telling you, God knows where you are. Man, He is. Say, bigger than my mountain. So I prayed each day. <laughs> See, sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta. Get up on the mountain, put your head between your knees, and pray. Sometimes you got to pray. She said, I, I, "I prayed each day, and on Wednesday, the third day, when I woke, I spoke. I claimed the victory. I claimed my healing." And she said, "And I spoke." She was whispering. Now she said, "I claim it. I spoke. Yeah, that's a shout. That's a clap. That's a big thing. I spoke." God's bigger than your mountain, man. See, in the testimony, well, you know, that's really good for her, but what about me? God is no respecter of persons. Uh, See God bigger than your mountain. He is up to something in your life. He's up to something. Get excited about it. Well, I've been disappointed before. Well, you're not going to be disappointed this time. What if I am? Well, you know what? It's over for you. Go lay in the street. I don't have time for that. This guy's only got so much energy to pump you up and encourage you with what God has for you. I can't do it for you. I'm busy doing it for me. Praise the Lord. She said, I have my miracle. People can hear me now. (laughs) I sound almost normal, just like I have a cold. And starting Wednesday, I've been putting a plug in my trach for hours. Today, nine hours of just breathing through my mouth and not the hole in my neck. <laughs> give God a hand. That's good news, huh? Uh, you overcome by the word, by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of of your testimony. You don't know what God's about to do in your life, but boy, you sure would hate to have it all end and find out He was about to do something and you gave up on Him. Don't you give up on Him, Amen? When you're down to nothing, you got to know God is up to something. Stand up. I want to read this last scripture, and we'll pray. I've been here a lot lately in Luke chapter 5. <laughs> this is, I'm telling you, when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. And in Luke chapter 5 is the story of the disciples and as they were fishing. And it says in verse 4, when Jesus had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and we have caught what? What? When you're down to nothing, God's up to something. We have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. But nevertheless, I will look past my mountain. Nevertheless, I will look toward you, God. Nevertheless, I won't pay attention to what that ache or that pain or that checkbook says. Nevertheless, God, I'll focus on you and your goodness and the fact that you're bigger than my problem. And it says they threw out the net. The net was so full that it began to break. They called the other boats over. There was in the midst of how much? Nothing. See, when it looks like there's nothing, God's up to something. Give him an opportunity. And it was a net-busting boat sinking catch in the midst of nothing they just fished there i'm telling you god's up to something you got married don't stop growing you ain't got there yet good lord you just now need us (laughs) Amen. amen all those been married a while say that's true brother i'm telling you